you've survived another week. Thank you for coming back to episode 193 of the Urban Shooter Podcast, celebrating Black Friday. Introducing BlackGunOwners.org, Zombie Strike number 52. NRA training counselor, Ross Palmer. From Detroit talks about shooting, competition, and more. Bones Hooks brings us a blast from the past, 1972, Superfly. All this and celebrating Thanksgiving on your favorite righteous podcast, The Urban Shooter. Crossbreedholsters.com presents The Urban Shooter Podcast. Thank God for an expert. The weekly pro-gun variety show featuring the internationally known black man with a gun. Your friend and brother from a different mother. That's what I call a close encounter. Ken Blanchard. Love it. It's a star. You're going to love it. It's a classic. <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming back. Welcome to the Urban Shooter Podcast. And I'm your host, Ken Blanchard. It's really good to have you back. If you want to contact me during the week, my email address is blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. And that corresponds to blackmanwithagun.com, my premier and flagship site. Activated since 1999. Yeah. If you want to call me and leave a message, like a couple of brothers did that encouraged me and gave me some good kudos that I had to share with the wife last week, my number is 888-675-0202 and is much appreciated. You leave that voicemail and I'll get back to you if you want me to. I am your friend and your brother from a different mother. More than just gun rights. If you need a smile, call me, email me. I want to talk about something personal. I'm your pastor of Pistoleros, Patriots, and Paladins. Deal? All right. We're going to talk about Black Friday and have a little fun this week as you celebrate the holidays with family. Right after John Wayne gives us our Pledge of Allegiance, let's get into episode 193. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, this week we're celebrating Black Friday. Now, you know, everybody thinks Black Friday is about shopping. You know, it's really not. We're going to bring it back to its original meaning. You know how commercialism gets all in the way when we forget the reasons for the season? That's right. It's going to be Black Friday, and it's really the day when you celebrate all your black friends. I love black people! I love black people! Happens every year after Thanksgiving. You're all fat and you're happy, you had a good meal, you're in a good mood, so you go out shopping. You just forgot the reason for your good feelings. It's because you got black friends. And if you don't have any, Black Friday is the day when you can go out and get one. Here's a hint. We like hugs. Hug a black person on Black Friday. I love black people! I love black people! Yeah. Black friends keep you safe. They do. They are the voice of reason. So you want to go cave diving or splunking? Call your black friends and what are they going to tell you? Man, I don't know if you should do that. See? They're trying to keep you safe. You want to go ice climbing, storm chasing, ski down a triple diamond hill? 
base jumping, mountain biking, grinding. What do they say? Man, I don't know if you should do that. So you're trying to keep you safe. Why? Because it's hard just being black. And if you are our friend, we try to keep you around. Think about it. When you go to a horror movie in a black neighborhood, somebody's going to try to warn the person on the screen. Don't open that door, man. Don't 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 look out there. Don't go down there. Am I right about it? Yeah. Black people just want to keep you safe. I love black people. I love black people. Think about that old black woman in your life. She's going to tell you some stuff to help you. And you might not even be related to her. Baby, you know that ain't right. Baby, you called your mama this week. Baby, get that child out the cold weather. See, it's in our nature to keep you safe. I love black people. I love black people. They're going to keep you safe. They are the voice of reason. The black cashiers in the store always try to get you to use some coupon. Why? To save you some money. You're in a sports car dealer about to purchase the baddest vehicle you ever had. And up pops the black salesperson letting you know, if you cut out a coupon from the Sunday paper, you can get a free accessory. See? You just fail to remember that stuff. Happens all the time. Grocery store, dollar store, doesn't matter. Don't hate, celebrate. So we're celebrating black folks this week. Hug a black person this Friday. Now, you know, when you're at your job and they're laying off people and everybody's going crazy and there's probably a black person in human resources passing out tissues for folks to cry with. And they'll hug you, too. See? Unsung heroes. And then when you get nabbed for a racist comment, who defends you? Some black person in the diversity office. Always happens. It's Black Friday. Don't hate, celebrate. Hug a black person this Friday. Remember back in the day when you were too young to drink? Who bought you that beer? That's right. Probably that old black wino that was standing outside the liquor store. See? You just forgot. I love black people! I love black people! Don't hate. Celebrate. Hug a black person this Friday. Remember, no man is a failure if you have at least one black friend. Don't hate. Celebrate. Hug a black person this Friday. It's Black Friday, y'all. The Minister of Defense, the pastor of Paladins, Patriots, and Pistoleros will be right back after these commercials. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at crossbreedholsters.com. Don't forget, crossbreedholsters.com. What do I use at the shotgun range? Federal premium ammunition, because every shot counts. Is the cost of ammo bringing you down? Are you ready to have fun with your firearm again? If you need ammo... Your friend and brother from a different mother has the answer. LuckyGunner.com Good prices. LuckyGunner.com If your time is valuable, LuckyGunner.com 
order your ammo today. Luckygunner.com, where you won't waste your time and the shipping is fast. It's 110% guaranteed. Luckygunner.com. Training for life. For almost 30 years, there has been one constant voice in the training world. One leader, one friend of the private citizen wanting to learn how to survive the judicious use of deadly force. That voice comes from Assad Ayub. If you want cutting-edge training for armed private citizens, go to MassadAyubGroup.com. M-A-S-S-A-D-A-Y-O-O-B Group.com. MassadAyubGroup.com. And now, back to the man who's packing more than a browning. Thanks, babe. A brother out of Detroit, NRA training counselor, Ross Palmer, asked me a question. So I thought, let's just throw it up on the show. Let's get you in the mix of a conversation I'm having with Ross Palmer. No problem. I really enjoy what you do. I've been following you for a long time. I remember I was doing, I was doing about, it had to be, uh, Seven eight years ago, maybe probably longer than that. I was just doing a, I was just doing a search, and you know, it was longer than that. You know, black people and guns. You came up, <laughs> black man with a gun. So what is this? I know, I know. <laughs> you gotta be kidding! What is this? <laughs> and then I looked at it. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a long time ago. So you got man, but you just, you just blowing up. You taking it to, you taking it to a level that needs to be taken to. And I really commend what you've been doing. So just uh. It's really it's been really a benefit for folks, you know. It's a, it's a true benefit that you're doing. Oh man, thank you. So, what do you think we should do to make the uh, competitive sports a little bit more broader? Well, what we can do is probably just get the word out. Be honest with you, just get, get the word out about the uh, about the different types of competitions because and, and people don't realize, especially. Um, you know, depending on where you live, you may not realize. And uh, if you just travel off, travel off a little bit, you can find different competitions all over the place. Like in Michigan, where I live, in the spring, summer, and fall, it is a you know there's a there's a plethora of different shooting events that people can um, that people can uh, start with and and, and enjoy. And um, and it's a whole lot better than going out to a range. You know, going to an indoor range and just shooting a gun and. And you have to follow a lot of different rules. You know, don't shoot fast, don't move, don't do this, don't do that. With these different types of shooting competitions, if you don't mind going out a little bit um, or driving a little bit, you can um, um, you can do a whole lot of a lot of fun stuff that you can't do at an indoor range. Okay. So so basically, the thing is just getting the word out to folks, and um, and just uh, um, getting them involved in some. You know, they got matches out here, this sort of things. In many cases, and. A lot of a lot of the clubs that I that I belong to or join, join with and shoot at, they would love to have folks come out there and shoot. You know, they're they're trying to get as many people out there because they realize that the more people they have out there, the more law-abiding citizens that are out there shooting and partaking, and enjoying the sport, the better it's going to be for uh, the better it's going to be for the gun folks. You know, you need you need to make sure that we uh, that we um, take advantage of our Second Amendment rights in uh, in all of its forms and. Um, and do whatever we can to, you know, do whatever we can to, to, to enjoy what we have. And plus, to be honest with you, something that, um, if you want to get good with your gun, if you want to learn how to use a firearm, if you want to make sure that you can uh, use your firearm effectively, um, try shooting some type of, some type of competition, and uh, and you'll get good with your you'll get good with your gun really really quickly. What do you compete with? What what competitions are you are you particularly in? 
I compete in a couple different ones. I compete in um, IDPA, which is International Defense and Pistol Association, mm-hmm. um, and that's the best, that's a sport that's designed for um, just regular folks, and it's um, and it's, it's scenario based, and it's and it's real life scenario based, where it's um, and it's defensive based, if you will. So everything that you do, the rules are, are based around real life scenarios, and basically you wear um, there's you know there's rules regarding the, clo- the type of uh, concealment garment and clothing you have to wear, and your equipment. Um, the types of guns you can and can't use as different divisions. And so basically everything is scenario-based. And when I say scenario-based, you know, the situations are realistic, the things that you may see on the street when you, um, uh, you know, if God forbid you have to find yourself in a life-threatening situation. So it'd be, that may be a scenario where you're at the gas station pumping gas and three bad guys come and you have to draw your firearm and, and go around the car using the car as cover or using something as cover and concealment. And, and, and put two rounds in each of the, in each of the back eye targets. And again, so the equipment that you use and the guns that you use and the tactics that you use um, pretty much mimic what you may be using on the street. And it's a lot of fun. Um, the other one that I do is called USPSA, which is United States Practical Shooting Association. And what that is, where IDPA, the, the, the one I mentioned previously, Fames Tactical, where USPSA um, is basically just running and gunning, is run and shoot as fast and as accurately as you can. Where um, where there are there, where there are rules with regards to IDPA and, and they and they tell you and they mimic reality. Where they it's like it's just well, you got this puzzle, you know, there's these bunch of targets with these bunch of barriers and all this thing and, and all things like that. Figure it out and shoot it the fastest and most accurately as as fast and as accurately as you can. And um, so, so basically, it's still running and it's still shooting and it's still shooting at multiple targets. They're both pretty much the same, but just different rules. And IDPA, there's a limit of um, the, the targets that you shoot at are limited to around, I think, around 18 rounds per stage. And um, USPSA, I think the, the limit is a lot higher, it's around 32 rounds per stage. And there, are, and there are different divisions in each of them. And each of these different, different divisions have different rules that determine exactly what type of firearm you can use, what type of um, um, what type of firearm you use and the different components and accessories you can have on that firearm, so on and so forth. So how do you get started? What do you just show up at a match and just kind of watch first, or what do you recommend? That's pretty much it. You know, you can show up at a match and, and watch first, but I tell you right now, if you if you show up at a match and you look at it, you probably want to go out there and start shooting. But for the first time, go out, go out there, find a local match, um, show up to the match and check it out if you don't um, and check it out. And look at people, and in, in most cases, you're going to find people that are going to be tripping over themselves trying to help you. You know, it's a really good, really, really good bunch of folks, especially with regards to new shooters. You know, um, can, you know the folks who run these matches realize that the, that the new shooters and the folks that are coming in, you know, that are coming into the gun community, they're the lifeblood of the sport, a lifeblood of the sport. So, you know, they have to make sure we, we have to do things, make sure we attract new shooters from every walk of life, from everywhere. And making sure that when they leave it, they have a good time, and so they want to come back and tell their friends about it. But basically, just go to go to a range and bring your hearing protection and eye protection. Um, you know, talk to the uh, whoever the range officers and want to you know say you want to check it out. They'll let you feel. They'll let you come and look, and then you can ask questions, and they'll tell you what to bring and what you should have. And um, the next at the next match, the next practice, go out there and, and partake in it. Uh, there's usually some sort of fee involved when, with the with the matches, and, it, and usually it's around twenty or twenty five dollars. But you'll end up shooting a whole lot. It's a lot of fun. So it's not that much more than regular range shooting. Well, if no, as far as price wise, and actually, to be totally honest with you, it'd be a whole lot cheaper because you know the indoor range prices can range from maybe like fifteen bucks an hour. 
you know, um, and, uh, but, you know, an, an IDPA match is going to last around two, two and a half hours. And uh, you'll shoot around, you shoot about 100 rounds, depending on how many stages there are, maybe a little bit more. USPSA matches, depending on the facility, well, you end up shooting a whole lot more, maybe around 150 rounds or so, and they'll last a little bit longer. But you get your money's worth. So it's a lot cheaper, actually, than going in and uh, shooting, at a, shooting at an indoor range because you get to shoot more, you get to do more things you can't do in an indoor range. And, uh, and, and basically, you get, to, you, you get to use your gun the way it was meant to be used. Oh, I heard that, man. Yeah, really, it's, it's, it's a blast, literally. So, let's see. Start looking for the next IPSC or IDPA match. You trot on out there and check it out, but be ready to shoot just in case you do like it. Um, any mm-hmm. any firearm that you should look to get or whatever you have is fine? Using pretty much whatever you have is fine. Um, um, for, for both of these matches, these types of matches, they're, they're pistol matches. Um, there are some, there are uh, some carbine carbine divisions with, with uh, in, in each of these, but pretty much is they're designed for pistols. Um, there are different divisions in each one, and depending on the type of pistol that you're using, and that can either, either be a combination of your caliber or the type of pistol, you'll be putting you'll be putting one of those divisions. And so, for example, for IDPA, there's a division just for 45, that's what it's called, a CDP or custom defense pistol. And then there's a division, uh, there's a div- division called uh, standard um, stop service pistol, which is your, your, your regular gun, like a Glock 17 or a Glock uh, 22. Um, and then you have ESP, which you can shoot the same guns in SSP and ESP. ESP stands for enhanced service pistol, but the gun can be modified a little bit more. And then there are also divisions for uh, di- divisions for revolvers. And pretty much the same thing in uh, USPSA. Um, there's a uh, um, one of the most popular divisions is called production, and that's where you use your standard off-the-shelf gun. And um, then there's divisions called limited, which you can make a lot of modifications to your gun. Open, which almost any modification you make to your gun. And then there are also uh, revolver divisions as well. So basically, almost any gun that you have, there's going to be a division for it. So just go there and find out, and then see, you, know, you can ask somebody, say, yo, what should I shoot this gun in? And they'll tell you, okay, this is a, you know, this is a SSP gun, or this is a limited gun, or this is a production gun, depending on which competition you shoot. Oh, okay. So you shouldn't be all scared if you don't know before you get there. No, definitely don't. You know, don't be scared. You know, you know, I was a, I, you know, um, you know, I was born and raised in the inner city, and I'm always one to do things kind of by myself. So I would just go out there myself and uh, look and hang out, and I've never had any problems. You know, I never had any issues and. And uh, just go out there and check out the, the, the closest thing I tell my students is because I teach uh, I teach a lot of fire and safety courses. I tell my students this is that the closest thing I can equate it to is bowling on the league. You know, so folks, you know, folks know what bowling is. You know, you need right, you know, right. if you're ever bowling, if you're bowling on the league, you know, you go bowling. You got people that you know, you got professionals, the semi pros. They have a bag with five balls and then three yeah. pairs of shoes, all yeah. of other equipment. You know, and then um, then you got folks, you know, that that just go to the that go to the bowling alley with no ball. They pick up, they pick the first ball off the uh, off the rack, and then then rent their shoes at the counter. Well, you got the same thing with IDP and it's like, You know, IDP you got folks that just look. I just want to shoot my carry gun, and and with with the regular stuff that I carry, and that's what I want to do. And then you got people like me that I drink the Kool Aid, so I uh, quite a long time ago, so I, so I bring a whole bag full of stuff. I got a couple guns and backups and all the things because I cannot. My goal in shooting, and I want I want to get good at shooting, but my goal is to 
win that little twenty five cent ribbon that they give you at the end if you if you win your division and your and your, your classification. But the targets the targets actually change every time you go, right? So how do you get good? Well, uh, what you get good is just practice. Um, you can you can practice by going to the by going to the matches and practicing. Many um, and going to the matches. Many clubs will have different practice sessions throughout the week. Like a lot of the clubs that I belong to here in Michigan, when the weather's nice, actually the season's pretty much winding down because the weather's getting really getting really cold outside. Many Rangers are going to are going to run practice sessions. Most practice sessions will allow you to, you know, uh, sh- you know, shoot a stage and go through it a few times. Um, and then, and then at the matches, you'll go through. You you will do it for real. You'll compete against folks of your own classification level. One of the best one of the best things you can do actually um, to get good with the firemen, not spend any money or very little. It's called dry fire practice. Dry fire practice is where you do all the where you do uh, incorporate all the aspects of fire uh, firing the gun and and drawing from the holster, doing all that stuff without the presence of ammunition anywhere in the vicinity. Um, so there's a lot of different ways that you can actually get good and actually learn how to use your firearm. And that, that's one of the key benefits of uh, doing these competitions. You will learn um, your firearm inside and out. You will learn the equipment that works. You will learn the equipment that doesn't work. If it doesn't work, get rid of it. Um, you will learn. You will end up, if we get good, you will end up gaining an unconscious competence with the handling of your firearm. So that means your, your finger will automatically come off the trigger when, you, when you're not shooting. It all, it'll only go on the trigger when you're ready to shoot. And you'll learn a lot of different things because the safety, basically, safety is inherent in all of these different kinds of competitions. you got to be safe. you got to walk out there and be safe. Now, people will guide you. They'll tell you exactly what to do so there's no surprises. But, um, but you have to be safe. And, and, and safety is built into the rules of these different competitions. Oh, cool. Hmm. I think this going to be my, my, my move for 2011, man. I'm going to get into this uh, IDPA for sure. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I started, you know, when, you know, when I started, uh, it, really, it, it, really, it really made a difference in my shooting. It made a difference in my shooting ability. It made a difference in my perception about what was effective, what wasn't. And, uh, and um, it's to the point where, you know, um, you know, again, if it doesn't work, you know, if it doesn't work in competition, you know, because you know, I'm not going to use it. Because in competition, what happens is, is you know, uh, you know, your stress level increases, mm-hmm. and that, and actually, that stress level is something that's actually going to make you a better shooter. You know, because you can go to the range and shoot really indoor range and shoot really slow, shoot a couple, you know, shoot a hundred rounds at a target and go really slow, but. But if when you have to go when, when that buzzer is put on you, and all of a sudden that buzzer goes off, and you have to perform, mm-hmm. you have to do this set of skills. You know, but you know, uh, at the beginning that can pucker you up, pucker you up a little bit. But um, once you get used to that, you will realize, you know, you get used to that level of stress, and and the heightened level of stress, and you'll end up pushing yourself, and that and being and pushing yourself is what's going to make you better and better and better. And uh, so, you know, the folks that I've seen that I've worked, you know, you see end up seeing a gradual progression of becoming, you know, going from a novice level to all the way to expert and master, and it's uh. And it's just it's just a fun. It's just a lot of fun, Ken. I just love to death, you know. Man, that's too cool. So you you train people too on on basic firearms training. Yeah, I do. I'm an NRA I'm appointed training counselor, and uh, so I teach. Um, I'm certified in in pistol, rifle, shotgun, home firearm safety, first protection in the home. I teach on um, reloading, shot shell, and metallic cartridges, as well as I'm a chief range safety officer. So. Um, 
most of my training is um, is tied around uh, the, the class that folks have to take in order to gain their concealed pistol license. Um, some, some people call it a CCW, but initially we call it a concealed pistol license. Okay. And um, and uh, so most of my training is, is regarding that. But I also do uh, you know private one-on-one lessons. I do uh, NRA courses and some non-NRA courses as well. And uh, and um, any basically anything if it goes bang, I like to teach it. So. Um, Okay, how can we reach so, you? Well, um, you know, I have a website, and the website is goccw.com. The name of my company is Great Lakes Fire and Safety Training, but the website is goccw.com, and I can be reached uh, online that way. Um, also, the number, if you want to reach me by phone, is 734-645-2344. And, um, and uh, you know, that's the best way to reach me. So this is Ross L. Palmer. GoCCW.com, and that number was 734-645-2344. You gave us a lot of information, man. I really appreciate that. I'm going to actually title the show um, Black Folks in Competitive Shooting just to maybe push it. That's going to be my my, my bent for the rest of the the quarter is to get folks involved in IDPA and IPSC. Yeah, there's a yeah, there's and and honestly, those those aren't the only two. There's some, you know, there, you know, in in every state that you go to, there's so many different shooting opportunities, and uh, and you just may not realize it. You know, folks, you know, folks in the inner city just may not realize it because most of these things happen out in the, uh, you know, happen out, you know, they may happen out in the sticks. So I'm um, seeing, you know, that's where the, most of the outdoor ranges are. Mm-hmm. Um, there are very few, very few urban environments are going to have a, you know, they're going to have a an outdoor shooting environment that's open to the public. So you may have to drive a little bit. But when, but once you do, once you find, and I didn't realize, you realize I didn't know all the stuff was happening. And every single weekend in Michigan, and um, and there's at least in the spring, summer, and fall, there's at least at least at least two, three places you can go through during the weekend and go to a sanctioned match. Nice. And that's where you can, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun. And in in the, in the winter time, we go, we we transition to uh, indoor matches in places where. We got the warmer weather than you know. We're warmer. We got the warmer weather in the south. They shoot all year long, so this stuff going all year long, you know. Um, um, so just you know, just you know, check it out. You know, you can go to the different websites, you know, the international websites for IDP at USPSA. Um, IDPA website is id is www.idpa.com, and the USPSA website is uspsa.org, and um, and there's a there's a whole lot of other shooting sports beside that. And I would I would recommend any, anyone that whatever you like pistols, rifles, shotguns, um, it doesn't matter. Um, there's a there's a shooting sport, there's some kind of competition out there that you can get into. And honestly, it's not going to cost you you know a whole lot of money. You know whatever you know whatever you want to put into it, that's what you're going to get out of it. So what what do you shoot IPSC with or IDPA? What's what's your gun of choice? My gun of choice right now is I shoot with a Smith and Wesson MMP Pro, and um, I shoot and I shoot the MMP Pro at nine millimeter, and it just came out also in forty Smith and Wesson. So I so I shoot that and so I shoot that in forty Smith and Wesson as well. And uh, you know I have I have a, I have, a, I have a, a rule that whatever I whatever I compete with that's what I'm carrying because uh, that's what I'm most familiar with. So my kit, you know, what I like to carry is a MMP. MP nine millimeter, and I compete with them in P nine millimeters and forties as well. So that's my gun of choice right now. It's, uh, but there's, you know, honestly, you know, just you know, just like the commercial, they say uh, it ain't the shoes, it ain't the gun. So, uh, so you know, there are folks that can pick up any gun and do really, really well. 
it's all about you know it's all about your practice and your base and, and following the fundamentals and knowing the rules of the game. So whatever gun you have, whatever gun is on, whatever gun works, just as long just as long as it's functionally reliable, virtually hundred reliable, go ahead and use it. Don't feel you have to go out and get a brand new gun to to to, to be involved in these competitions. The goal is not to spend a whole lot of money on it. Just go out, take what you have, and go out there and start shooting. Oh man, too cool. Good information, Doc. I appreciate that, Ross. No problem. One more time, man. Plug your website and your phone number, how we can contact you. Sure. The, the website is goccw.com. That's G-O-C-C-W.com. And the telephone number is 734-645-2344. And that's Ross Par- Palmer from Southeast Michigan, right? That's right. All right, man. Thanks for being part of the Urban Shooter Podcast. Thanks a lot. Talk to you soon, Ken. All right, man. Peace. Two zebras are talking, and one asks the other, Am I black with white stripes or white with black stripes? The other replies, Well, I don't know. You should pray to God about that and ask him. So that night he did, and God replied, You are what you are. The next day he said to the other zebra, I still don't understand what I am because God just said, You are what you are. The second zebra responds, Oh, you must be white with black stripes, or else God would have said, Yo is what yo is. Hey, speaking of black, back in the 70s, I got a chance to uh, go to my first R-rated movie. I think I was about 10 years old when this movie came out, and it was about a, uh, about a drug dealer that was trying to go straight. And he was actually the hero of the show. And the thing was actually funded by two dentists, filmed out of Harlem, and produced by screenplay, writer, producer, photographer, one of my heroes, Gordon Parks Jr. And then the theme score was actually played by and sung by the late, great Curtis Mayfield. Remember that? That was one cool time. The clothes were ridiculous, but the times were cool. And then right after that, we're going to talk to two members of blackgunowners.org. Darkness of night with the moon shining bright. There's a set going strong, a lot of things going on. Man of the hour has an air of great power. The dudes have envied him for so long. Ooh, super fly. They're gonna hit your fortune by and by. But if you lose, don't ask no questions why. The only game you know is do or die. Ah, Hard to understand what a hell of a man. This cat of the slum had a mind, wasn't dumb. But a weakness was shown, cause his hustle was wrong. His mind was his own, but the man lived alone. Ooh, a super fly. You're gonna make your fortune by and by. But if you lose, don't ask no questions why. The only game you know is do or die. Ah, ah. 
game he plays, he plays for keeps. Hustling cards in ghetto streets, trying to get over. That's what he's trying to do, y'all. Taking all that he can take. Gambling with the odds of fate, trying to get over. Trying to get over. Trying to get over. Trying to get over. Superfly. His role was to move a lot of blow. Ask him his dream, what does it mean? He wouldn't know. Can't be like the rest is the most he'll confess. But the time's running out and there's no happiness. Ooh, super fly. They're gonna make a fortune by and by. But if you lose, don't ask no questions why. The only game you know is do or die. Gentlemen, welcome to the Urban Shooter Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Same here, sir. Same here. Thank you. I got two members of the BGO, the Black Gun Owners Forum site, and uh, we're going to talk just openly tonight about stuff that's on our minds. Corey, why don't you start us off? Okay. Um, I, just, um, I started the uh, forum um, in hopes of spreading the word about our Second Amendment rights in the uh, black community and trying to make uh, more people aware that firearms is just not something that you see for the police or gangsters or quote-unquote, you know, people in the country just for hunting purposes, but there's a uh, viable reason the founders put the Second Amendment in the Constitution. That's for everybody, and everybody should exercise their right to to keep and bear arms. Sounds good, man. Mark, you got anything to add to that? Ah, uh, wow. <laughs> I'm just so excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. I Doc. can't believe it. <laughs> uh, my, my sentiment is exactly. I'm born and raised in Washington, D.C., and as you know, Brother Ken, it's pretty rough owning a firearm. <laughs> Absolutely. So you can legally own a shotgun, but how many people are going to actually tell you you can actually own one? Yeah. At least in the neighborhood I grew up in. So how long has the BGO been up, Mark? Uh, Corey, do you know? Uh, we, we started out in uh, 2008. Uh, it was a small little free form I had set up, and we kind of grew a little bit. We got up to about 150 members, and then we moved to an actual website where we're now known as uh, blackgunowners.org. I think right now we have right at 383 members. I think you'll probably get one or two after this conversation. <laughs> I hope so. I'm pretty sure we would. <laughs> I, I've seen an increase in our membership from the uh, uh, Maryland area. Oh, good deal. Shouts out to my Maryland brothers. What's new 
Oh, what's on the mind of BGO on black gun owners? Well, uh, Mark, you want to handle that for me? Okay, bro. <laughs> well, top, top, first thing that comes to your mind? Um, Stereotypes. Hmm, good one. Yes. Stereotypes are out there, and I, I, I feel like we're doing we, we're doing a, we're trying to do a good job of dispelling a lot of stereotypes um, on both sides. Okay. Like a black man with a gun, he's either a cop or a criminal, or hunting rifles or anything like that is for white people only. I'm proud to say I have several hunting rifles, and as of probably this Wednesday, I will be hunting. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. It's it's for everybody, and the stereotypes out there about firearms negatively, and most of them are ne- negative. Uh, you know, people shouldn't buy into that. You know, everybody should be able to enjoy uh, their, their right to bear firearms. How did you guys get different? I mean, how how did you not fall prey to that thing? I say it was the way I was raised. I was raised. Um, I haven't. I was born up in the Midwest, but I was raised in the South of uh, Georgia, and I I've, I listened to stories from my grandfather and uncles who grew up in the 40s and 50s and, and heard stories about having to keep a rifle or a shotgun nearby in case the Klan or anybody attack you at night because, you know, there was no 911 back in the 40s. Mm-hmm. that people could rely on. It was just you had to use what you had and firearm is what it was. If if not for protection, if you needed it for food, because, you know, there wasn't 24-hour Kroger's or Walmarts that we have today, uh, deer hunting and just general upkeep of farms, you needed a firearm for that. So they've, I've, they've always had a firearm close by uh, for those purposes. And we've I've always learned to respect firearms and to understand their role in people's lives. Okay. Mark, you came out of the city. What, how'd you get into it? gun I actually bought was in 94 when I first moved to Virginia. Okay. What was that? I was a Mossberg, 500. Oh, okay. Crystal grip. <laughs> I just had to have one. All right. I and, just had to have one. And since then, you've bought more than one? Uh, yes, sir. Oh, cool, man. Cool. Yeah, and I think the... Day I turned 21, um, I uh, I think I went and I bought, I bought let's see here, it was a Jennings uh, 380. I think I had it all for about six months before I moved up. And I eventually bought my first real gun, which was a Taurus 357 mag gun. Oh, okay. Like revolvers or semi-automatics? I prefer a semi-automatic, but uh, when I'm out in the field, I'm going hiking a good 357 magnum revolver is on my hip okay how about you mark i haven't gotten into the hunting yet i would love to <laughs> city boy and we don't do much hunting <laughs> so i'm starting to run into a lot of brothers out here and when i say brothers i don't mean just black men i get that term from my aunt when she refer to brothers she mean black white chinese korean just anybody who is good-natured people you know, I don't want people to take this the wrong way. That no, they won't. Anybody listening to the Urban Shooter podcast, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm calling them my friend and brother from a different mother. Mm-hmm. Everybody exactly. is one Thanks. big family. If Thanks. you're a pro gun, you're part of this group. Yes, sir. Of course, of course. So why why the need for the BGO? 
Why the need for BGO? Um, my online interest in firearms sparked, um, I think around 2006. Uh, we had an incident here in Atlanta, and a guy by the name of Brian Nichols, he uh, escaped Fulton County uh, Jail. He was on trial for rape. He killed a judge, uh, sheriff deputy, um, a Bad. court reporter. Bad dude. And a and a FBI agent. No, uh, a, a yeah, I think it was an FBI agent. He, he killed several people, and he was on the loose in the downtown area. And my wife was down, works downtown, and I was very concerned about her. Even though I knew I had a gun for her in the car, it wasn't a reliable gun. And my gun was at home in a shoebox. Mm-hmm. I have a license to carry, but... I didn't make it a point to really actually carry it. And then I was looking at what following the news story and I was just looking at the panic in a lot of people. People didn't know what to do. And I was thinking about my wife. So I started to do some research about what my license actually meant and what all I can do with it. And um started attending gun shows and doing research online and going to sign on to a lot of the big name gun forms. Uh-huh. And I started reading, and as I got the information I needed, I started to drift over into the politics and sort of the off-common areas, and I didn't get that much of a welcome feeling mm-hmm. with some of the comments I read. I mean, I got a lot of information. I've actually met some great people through those forums, but a lot of the form, a lot of the, the comments that I was reading about just a few of the members I thought was enough to really throw off a lot of people who was truly seeking information. And that's how I ended up finding your website, um, Black Black Man with a Gun and everything. And I was thinking about, I said, we, we, we should have our own form. And, I, and at the time, I was thinking we should have our own form. And I was like, no. Same black uh, black gun owners does strike people as demeaning for black people only, but I'm proud to say that our membership is very diverse. Yes, uh, there's no stipulation whatsoever for uh, you know race, creed, or color, uh, political affiliation. We, we, everybody's accepted and um, has a place on the form. So, and and that's the one thing I'm proud about. Uh, uh, blackgowns.org is we provide an open air for a lot of discussions, even race, politics, firearms. It doesn't matter. Well, I feel like everybody has a uh, even footing, sort of say. Okay, so you created BGO because of some of the trolls that can be on some of those other forums that have no clue on how hurtful and destructive their comments can be to the whole of the Second Amendment group. Yes, yes. It, it, it was not, to me, it was not uh, constructive for the movement. I mean, it keeps those quote-unquote stereotypes alive when you read that, and it, it, it just wasn't, to me, uh, positive. Yeah, you can, one negative can knock out ten positives real easy. Exactly. Of course. Exactly. And when you're trying to grow something, trying to get people information or encourage them in a new sport or new activity, you don't need those trolls. No, and and, and the, the sad, well, not the sad thing, the wonderful thing about it is the trolls only represent 
a small minute True. Uh, portion of the population as a whole because the vast majority of the gun owners as a, as a family, it's been wonderful. I mean, I'm a part of my uh, local uh, Second Rights Amendment group, uh, georgiacarry.org, and I have some wonderful friends there of all backgrounds, nationalities, races, colors. It doesn't matter. We come together to uh, preserve, strengthen and preserve our Second Amendment rights in the state of Georgia, and it doesn't matter what you look like, look like as long as you're uh, uh, down for the cause. I hear you, man. So hunting, what are you hunting for this year? This is uh, deer season now, right? White tail, <laughs> white deer. You doing rifle or muzzleloader or what? You how you get? Yeah. Rifle. Um, I'm going. To, I have. I was on the uh, prowl for a 308, but I'm going to stick with my trusty uh, 3030 Marlin, uh, 336, 3030, and I picked up a uh, 357 uh, lever action uh, rifle. I'm going to. Give it a shot, also, but I'm gonna probably stick with my thirty thirty, my trusty thirty thirty. Hey, did you know back in nineteen, I want to say sixty eight, uh, Ted Kennedy tried to ban thirty thirties, just like the assault weapons ban tried to do it with the Clinton era. Hmm. Oh yes, Ted Ted Kennedy was the. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember hearing that because they was looking at the. Uh, capacity of the rifle and the the, the power of the rifle has been oh, yeah. compared to a sniper rifle. Yeah, that was the scary gun back in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. <laughs> Every era has that same thing. Even though we think something is new, it's not. It's just different people, same game. Exactly. 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 And so it is with gun rights. I'm glad I got you guys on the line. I'm glad to be here. And share this yeah, time. I'm glad to be here, too, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much. Where can we go from here? What's our next move? Our next move is to fellowship amongst each other, either at the range or a restaurant, and to spread the word throughout the community, fellowship with other gun owners from other organizations, and just grow the movement. Just spread the word. Uh, each one, teach one. I'm teaching my six-year-old to shoot. As a matter of fact, I got her 22 cricket. Um, I'm I can't wait to take her shooting out in the country this uh this coming week. All right. And it's, and, and Start with our young, our children first. Teach them responsible gun ownership. Teach them to respect firearms and to understand what their purpose is in your life. And they're not to be a toy. They're not to be something to gain respect with. But there's a purpose for firearms, and they need to understand that. And I believe that's what we need to start off as gun owners, period. All right. I agree 100%. So somebody who's listening for the first time and saying, I don't know about this gun thing. I hear all this negative stuff on the news. What do you say to them? What I say to that person is um, don't wait until something negative has happened in your life. If you, you feel negative towards firearms, sit down and talk to somebody with, with some sort of credibility about themselves that's in the pro-Second uh, Amendment movement. And Try to come to some understanding of what it is that why we are here and why we feel the way we do before you just look at a news report or read a report from the Brady uh, campaign and base your opinions off of that. And just do some research first. Exactly. Exactly. Stereotypes. Stereotypes. Every black person is a Democrat. Do you guys fit in that stereotype? 
<laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, hmm. I might fit in one of those stereotypes. I have dreads. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, the stereotype of uh, Democrats. Um, state of Georgia, we don't have a, uh, I guess, political party uh, registration. So I'm, I'm, I'm proud to say I'm not even a, I'm not a Democrat or Republican. Okay. Uh, I and um, Carl's OCW 45. Mainly my bursa under nine versus. So you shoot indoor or outdoor mostly, uh, Corey. Um, I spend the most time outdoor range. We have uh, wildlife management areas here in Georgia, so I go to it's, it's probably about twenty miles from the house, and I'm, I a good session will probably last me about five hours outdoor range shooting from, and I I have everything. I have my AR, I have my Molson uh, uh, M44. I have an array of uh, handguns. I shoot. I have to get them all out because my wife she only she limits my range time. So <laughs> when I get that when I get that one day, I'm gonna get it all out. My sister get it all out. <laughs> when they get back, no time soon. <laughs> yeah, I hear you, man. I hear you. <laughs> all right, man. Final words, guys. I'm gonna close up. Anything you want to say um, about BGO or Urban Shooter Podcast, or to the audience, or to a new shooter, or to experience? Anything you want to say or close out? Uh, man, I'm like the staff sergeant at the recruiting office. I'm out there trying to get them in black, white, Korean, Vietnamese. Doesn't matter to me. I'm just trying to let everybody know what's going on with the form. Oh, good deal, man. Good deal. Well, um, I, I'll say this. Um, we got to... Got a, I got a nice group of people on the forum, blackgunowners.org. Uh, they can answer a wide array of questions and a lot of topics of discussions there for everybody. Uh, sign up is free. There's no cost. There's no uh, approval or anything like that. You just sign up, get your password, and your username, and come on. And I would love to have you. Um, yeah. uh, there's a lot of information there. If you check out uh blackmanwithagun.com also there's great information there that's it's one it's the one website I can truly say that really got me into understanding what it is to be online active trying to spread the word to the community I really want to thank Ken for that also because he gave me the motivation to start uh, blackgunowners.org after I tried to pester him to get it going he said well if you want if you want it do what you you started, and I help you, and I really do appreciate that, Ken, because uh, I don't think I could have did it without you. Man, I'm I'm learning uh, slowly about what you can't do: delegate, and everybody brings stuff. And you're you've took that thing way past, man. Where little black man with a gun dot info is my little forum is pretty quiet compared to yours. You got some hot topics on that thing sometimes. Oh yeah. We- <laughs> yeah, we try. We try. We try. I try, I try to spice them up every now and then. But some, some of the people on there, they can really, they can re- really debate a uh, topic, and I'm, I'm glad to see them there. <laughs> yeah, I just found out that that thread about the uh, the big bottom folks, so I don't have to check that one out. <laughs> 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 no comment. <laughs> see, then we go get about. 
five thousand <laughs> entries now, boy. It's gonna be, it's gonna be fired up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Corey. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for for Thank being you, on. Sir. Thank podcast. you, Evan. Appreciate All right, it. man. Last week on Zombie Strike. Mateo almost gets hit by an energy beam fighting Ted and the zombies on the Capitol Beltway around Washington, D.C. Slim gets a great idea to play a little cricket with a hand grenade. While the rest of the team and the Army unit are keeping Ted occupied and apparently bored, Slim hurls a fragmentation grenade under the trailer he was perched on and blows the thing into the ozone. Meanwhile, back at the Washington Hospital Center, Jess and Billy, the spirit wolf, are holding it down from a surprise zombie attack. Billy, now the size of a small pony, is in a heated fight with a golem. Hey, aren't golems from Jewish folklore? How did they get mixed up with the Aztecs? Anyway, this golem is taking no names and the fight is on. Furniture is getting moved around, things are breaking, walls are getting smashed, but Billy has a few tricks up his sleeve and does a sacrificial move and gets a hold of that special rune that makes the golem so darn hard to stop that they wear around their neck. As soon as he crushes it, the golem cracks like an empty eggshell. But don't look now. The zombies are just waiting for the golem to get out of their way and are now starting to make their move in like droves. Munching and crunching, coming into the hospital. Jess checks her ammo. She's got a magazine left but there are more zombies than she has bullets. It's not looking good. And then she hears the familiar sound of a machine gun. Buddha, 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 Buddha. And smiles come from everybody. She's just assured and assumed it's her dad and the crew. But wait. Who do her baby blue eyes see? Coming in with his M4 and doing the do? None other than Colin Dubois. And that brings us back to this week's episode of Zombie Strike. This is Zombie Strike. Part 52. Washington, D.C. Beltway. 27 July 2010. 12.45 hours local. Countdown. One year. Three months. Five days. Mateo Cortez felt something hot and hard pushing on his back. It took a few moments for him to realize he was lying on the asphalt. Why was he on the ground? Oh yeah, that entire trailer went up like a baby nuke. Grunting with effort, Mateo managed to roll over. He couldn't see any of his team. Come to think of it, the road around him didn't look like the overpass. He cricked his neck around. He was maybe... 300 feet from the overpass. What remained of the overpass at any rate? Dear God, how he survived that explosion. Finally, you're awake, said a familiar voice. Mateo looked up and met Ted's eyes. The minion was sitting on the remains of a sedan. His ninja suit was riddled with bloody rips. Ted wasn't even wearing his mask. Mateo's hand traveled down his side to his sidearm, except it wasn't there. If you're looking for this, I'll give it back to you in a bit, Ted said, holding up Mateo's sig. I really wanted to kill you, 
I really wanted to kill your team, but no. Michael said to have that you had to be alive. So instead of just stepping away when you blew up my truck, I actually had to save all of your hides. Ted slid off the wreckage and stood over Mateo. You know, killing Ken and your wife and wiping out your little base on that island was supposed to be messages. But you and your team are just too thick in the head to understand, Ted said. Let me explain it to you all. You're not going to win. You're not going to stop the truth. This is prophecy. If you keep trying to stop us, we are going to keep doing horrific things to the people you love. So, do us all a favor. Quit. Ted actually sounded compassionate. Mateo grumbled a sentence. What did you say? Ted taunted, bending down to place his ear next to Mateo's head. Mateo let the adrenaline take over. The blade flashed in the noontime sun a brief instant before Mateo planted it into Ted's eye socket. The minion let out a horrific scream as blood splattered across Mateo. Both of Ted's hands flew to his face as he gripped the slivery handle of the blade. The zombie strike field commander slowly stood up. I said I'm going to stab you in the face, Mateo said, gritting the words out in pain. He took two slow steps and picked up his pistol. Mateo worked the slide, feeling the bullet slide into the chamber. Pain and stiffness made bringing the pistol up a slow and arduous effort. Fortunately, Ted was preoccupied with trying to get the knife out of his head. Mateo had all the time in the world. The double tap scattered Ted's brains across the highway. Before the body even started to fall, a wave of white energy erupted from Ted. The tidal wave of energy passed through Mateo like a ghost and continued speeding out in a circle. Mateo felt like he had been released from manacles. All of his pain and fatigue dropped away. Mateo felt better than he had in months. Even old injuries long since ignored were healed. As Mateo looked around him, he could see his team members standing up from where they had landed. From their exclamations and movements, they too had felt the healing energy. Mateo waved them over. They still needed to get to his daughters. Mateo yanked his knife out of Ted's lifeless corpse. He did a quick search. The rod of Fior was gone. Mateo kept Ted's wallet and some bits and pieces that looked interesting. When they had some time, he let the Steve and Quentin go over it. Two engines started. They sounded surprisingly loud against the quiet of the abandoned highway. A Mercedes sedan and a large Ford SUV roared up next to Mateo. Where to, boss? The Steve asked from the SUV's driver's seat. Washington Hospital Center and Florida. Washington Hospital Center, Washington, D.C., 27 July, 2010. 12.30 hours local, countdown, one year, three months, five days. Jess Montgomery stared at Colin just for an instant. Then she snapped the pistol up. Colin almost looked annoyed as he darted to the side. One strong hand gripped her wrist while the other plucked the pistol from her hand. Jess twisted and jabbed with her left. Colin dodged the punch easily, 
but he was clearly surprised by the move. He shouldn't have been. This man had been one of Jess's teacher for what the better part of a year. Colin tucked the pistol in the small of his back before dropping into a loose fighting stance. At least he took her somewhat seriously. Just fell into a stance that Colin had drilled into her. His eyebrow crooked upward. She just needed to hold his attention for just a bit longer. Billy pounced on Colin. The spirit wolf was back to his normal size, but that was still huge. Almost 300 pounds of wolf slammed into Colin. Billy and Colin slid nearly 20 feet across the tile floor before stopping. Colin punched Billy in the side, but the pup didn't move. Billy just growled. Let him up, said a commanding voice. Ken Blanchard, dressed in up some borrowed scrubs, limped into the hallway. Just beamed when she saw the zombie strike commander. She dashed over to him. He grunted in pain as she enveloped him in a fierce hug. Easy, sweetie. I'm not that healed up. Ken grunted. Just chuckled and let go. She motioned to the spirit pup. Billy backed off of Colin. The former SAS commando leaped to his feet. With his head hung, Colin slinked up to stand in front of Ken. He never saw the right cross. The punch landed with a meaty thwack. Colin staggered back before falling to the floor. He's away, Mr. Blanchard, Special Agent Tredegar said. The FBI agent looked uncomfortable in the tactical rig. Mr. Dubois was not the one who shot you. Ken and Jess paused in surprise. We know all about the events surrounding the death of Nigel Brown, Tredegar said. Ken's face fell into a sorrowful look. Jess could tell there was something going on that she wasn't in on. What's going on? Jess asked of the three men. Yes, please tell us what is going on. Mateo's voice boomed through the hallway. Jess saw the glint of anger in her foster father's eyes as she walked in. Behind him, the other members of Zombie Strike waited with neutral faces. Colin came to me a couple of weeks ago. Ken admitted his voice husky, told me that he was being blackmailed into killing me. We figured it would be a good chance to get a mole into their operation. We had it all planned out, but then Nigel stepped in front of the bullet. And you didn't tell me because... Mateo demanded. Neither of us thought you'd be able to pull it off, Colin said. Matty, you're a good leader. But you can't lie to save your life. We needed to sell it. We weren't sure what kind of spies Giant and his people have. Wait, if Colin didn't shoot Mercedes, then who did? Just ask. The best evidence supports either Ted or another member of the truth, Tredegar answered. Apparently, they didn't trust Mr. Dubois to finish the job. Mateo stormed back out of the hospital. Jess chased after her foster father. There was an uncomfortable silence as the members of Zombie Strike stood hard-faced at Colin. Slim was the first to speak. You bloody piker, he said. You blinded us and disarmed us right when 10,000 of the undead attacked. Colin's eyes widened at the number. 
you may have left us some supplies and some intel, but we lost people during the assault. People you knew. Colin didn't flinch. He just stood there as Slim's words lashed at him. What? No pretty excuse to explain yourself? I was just told what to do by one of Giant's minions and when to do it, Colin said. I managed to guess the rest, but I had no idea they would use that many zombies against Skull Island. I don't even know how they could have gotten that many zombies. Colin shook his head. What do you want from me, Slim? Vengeance, Slim said with an air of finality. You'll get it. Mateo said, rejoining the team. Jess followed behind him. She was trying her best to hide the tears that stained her cheeks and reddened her eyes. Mateo must have told her about Maria. The minion we fought today told me that all of this was a warning to us to stay away from them, Mateo said to the gathered group. We've been fighting this truth group for nearly a year now. We've lost more than we've won but they've still gone to great lengths to deal with us. I'm tired of playing catch-up with these people. It's time to make them dance to our tune. Sounds good, Cortez, but exactly how do you plan on doing this? Chief Warrant Officer Stahl asked. They had to launch all this from somewhere, Mateo said. We have the resources of the FBI and MNW at our disposal. We're going to find them. Then we're going on the offensive. This concludes another installment of the narrated story Zombie Strike by Derek Ward. Join us next time for another exciting edition of the ongoing saga. This product is protected by copyright owned by Blanchard Studios, Kenneth Blanchard, and other individuals or entities. Any production, retransmission, republication, or any other use of part or audio found on this site is expressly prohibited unless prior written permission has been granted by Kenneth Blanchard or the appropriate copyright owner. All other rights reserved. All right, that's it for this weekend. Thank you again for joining me. If you like the show, make sure you spread the word. You can send a link. If you go to urbanshooter.us, you can super copy that link there and share that MP3 file around the world. If I did something that offended you and you didn't like, be sure to let me know. Blackmanwithagun at gmail.com and my voicemail is 888-675-0202. Big shout out to the LinkedIn group, to Chris J, to Rob, to Damien. Man, you just keep doing your thing. To Corey, to Mark, to Aaron, to Ron, to Reese, Miguel, Rick. Thanks again to uh, Ross Palmer, for Corey, for Mark, for joining me on the Black Gun Owners Forums. To John, to all those of the Gun Rights Radio Network. To you, my best friend. If you didn't know it, we have an iPhone app for the Urban Shooter podcast. And what it's really good at doing is it saves up space on your iPad or your iPhone. If you save the episode, it'll free up some space. It's streamed there. And then you can save it to listen when you're not in range. So the iPhone app has a good little feature there. And it's it's a buck ninety-nine. It'll help you out. Save some space on your MP3 player. Also, 
If you carry concealed, you might want to check out slateandjones.com. I have a link to it on my site. Looks like a little shield. It's a pro-gun attorney that you can get on your side in your state. You might want to call first or go on and sign up. There's a special deal for Urban Shooter listeners. You save 20 bucks. Check that out on the site. And remember, it's Black Friday, so be careful out there. There are people and predators out there looking to make a buck off of you. So be careful while you're shopping. The cold weather is coming, so plan accordingly. And Lord, deliver me from the man who never makes a mistake and also from the man who makes the same mistake twice. Until next week, this is your friend and your brother from a different mother wishing you peace and the biggest turkey leg. Shalom, baby. Send Ken an email at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. Do you want to support the show and start something new? You can become a member of the new Urban Shooter Association for $4 a month and keep the mission going strong. Look for the USA link on the website.